Welcome to the WSPP podcast, a special program from the Wisconsin School of Professional Psychology in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm your host, Laura Prado. Join me as I interview students and staff at WSPP to get a glimpse into their incredible lives and learn more about the exciting happenings at our school. Thank you for being here. Carrie, thanks for being here today on the WSBB podcast. I'm really excited to be talking to you. Thanks so much for having me, Laura. Absolutely. Why don't we start by you sharing a little bit about yourself with our listeners? Yeah, so I'm currently a third-year student at WSBB, um, so my second year of training and practicum with that. Um, with that, I guess my training locations are currently a TA for our intro assessment courses. I also work with the VA Medical Center for their geropsychology outpatient rotation. And let's see, I'm missing one. Oh, I do psychotherapy at Cedarburg Brain Rehab for those who have acquired traumatic brain injuries. As well. Oh, wow, very cool. Um, personally, I'm a twin. I have a twin brother, and he lives in the Milwaukee area. Um, I also have two older sisters, and all three of my siblings work in funeral business, so that's a little bit different there. Um, I, more personally, I enjoy being outside. I enjoy hiking, camping. Currently, snowboarding is on the top of my mm. list agenda. Um, I did even push myself to go this weekend in the negative <laughs> degree weather. Oh my gosh. challenging itself. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about me. Wow, very cool. I uh, I admire your ability to go out there in the <laughs> snow and the cold this weekend. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, there was, cool. there was like no one else on the list. So it was just like one way access. It was just like continuously mm. going down and going back up. But it was a bit chilly. <laughs> very cool. How long have you been doing that? Um, So I've been snowboarding on and off for about 10 years now. But I just say for the past two is where I've really gotten into it and challenged myself to do more and be more involved in the sport. Um, and I guess one benefit of it is in the Milwaukee area, there's more access to local snow hills versus where I went to my undergraduate schooling at UW La Crosse. There's only one hill mm-hmm. in the area. Um, so having that access has really also pushed me into the sport. Um, it's very strenuous and hard to learn, but with snowboarding, once you kind of leave that peak, you're set to go and explore more. <laughs> That's awesome. Very cool. You mentioned UW lacrosse. I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about what maybe brought you into the field of psychology and if you studied that at lacrosse or if something else kind of piqued your interest in the field. Yeah. So originally my background was in nursing. Um, so at UW lacrosse, I have like a nursing track. So when you leave, you can apply for some of like the B, the BS or Bachelor's of Science to MSN Master's of Science program. So you have mm-hmm. all the prereqs for that. Um, so that's what I followed. And I had um, my psychology major and then a biology minor. And then I did a geriatrics emphasis with that. So my end goal was, uh, and for li- listeners that don't know, geriatrics is with older adults. Should throw that out mm-hmm. there too. Um, so my end goal is actually to work with hospice and end of life. So I had the psychology background in there to kind of pull on those areas, to kind of have more of a holistic approach to care. Um, but my final semester at UW La Crosse, I took a clinical neuropsychology course and I fell in love with it. 
Um, and through talking with my professors there, they kind of laughed at me and they're like, people just don't fall in love with that. Like you should pursue that. <laughs> so that's what brought me to the psychology field um, instead. Um, and I just have absolutely loved it. Very awesome. That's really cool. So have your um, thoughts around your future goals changed then? Do you still want to go into hospice work or have you changed your course or your plan? Yeah, so it's changed actually quite a bit. Um, with the clinical neuropsych, it's so, the course I took, it's so narrowed in in all the areas that psychology's had to offer. And so that's one thing I really love the WSPP about. It's kind of more like a general approach. It really teaches you how involved psychology can be in so many different areas. Um, So I will say overall, from narrowing into getting more broad, I have narrowed in a little bit more to more of the health psych area, some neuro Mm -hmm. approaches as well. Um, So I definitely see myself within a health setting. um, And I really do enjoy still working with older adults. But I have also found a love just for working with adults at large in their experiences. Um, so specifically either rehab or generic hospital setting, maybe some private practice with consulting. Not sure where I'll be yet, but I know that's the realm I'm looking into. But that's also some of the positive that comes along with the psycho because there's so many options career-wise yeah. on what it looks like and where you can go into and the flexibility with that too. So I'll see where it takes me next. <laughs> Absolutely. And I like how open you are to just your experiences and kind of figuring things out as you go. I think that's really important as a graduate student, but also just like as a future psychologist to be open and flexible when it comes to what areas you're going to be working in. Yeah, for sure. Um, I would say one thing I like, I knew I really enjoyed working with older adults, even for my undergraduate training and the emphasis I had there. Um, and so starting the graduate program, I was like, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to be. This is the population I love. And then I have to say one thing that really challenged that was working with the individuals with traumatic brain injury, which I mentioned earlier. Um, so I work with individuals as young as 16 and I see kind of like the crossover and what I've learned in geriatrics and the type of care and how that changes within the population. And I'm now looking at that training more as like a foundation for what I want to do and yeah. how I can expand Absolutely. Yeah, that's really, really cool. Um, you know, I we both have an interest in geriatrics, and we've talked about this extensively with each yeah. other, um, and health psych too, actually. That's definitely yeah. like an interest area of mine as well. Um, I'm wondering what initially got you interested in working with older adults, because what I've noticed, and I'm sure you've noticed, is that a lot of people in graduate school aren't necessarily, you know, knocking down doors trying to work with older adults I'm wondering what where that interest came in for you yeah so it was a bit of a surprise for me as well in my undergraduate training um I even started off like children I'm gonna work with children this is where I want to be and I found very quickly that I didn't have the patience to work with, with children so all the children tracked individuals out there working with children shout out because you are amazing because <laughs> I cannot do it I agree um, and so from there, instead of just like dropping out and being like, what do I do now? Or like, what's next? I was challenging myself to see what populations I would be comfortable working with. And right away, my advisor was like, well, I'm not older adults. I was like, oh, I don't think so. And like, that was the only placement that was available for like a volunteer location through one of the organizations mm-hmm. I was in. And so 
um, I went and started volunteering at this assisted living slash nursing home. It was connected in one and it was just doing more like recreational activities and everything with them. And I just fell in love with it. Um, I think it really challenged a lot of the inherent biases I've had or held at the time about like aging and what it looks like to age and like negativity versus positivity that comes with it. And I really, through that and those challenges, I really learned how much I want to also work to open up others' eyes and like what it is to age and especially how mental health corresponds to that because as a society, we're continuously told like, and everything is shown to us to like highlight our 20s and even younger than that. And so it's with that mentality, it's like, where do we go from then? Like what's next? Like what do we look forward to then? And there's just so, I don't want to sound naive, but there's so much more to learn from those experiences, what individuals have lived through. Um, and then even from like a health psych perspective, as we age, we're more likely to experience more health complications, concerns. And so that brought in my other interest there. So it's kind of a compilation of a bunch of different areas that brought me to specifically. That's really cool. And yeah, you make such a good point. I feel like there's so much emphasis placed on the 20s mostly, I think. I mean, sometimes 30s too, but like, it's almost like your 20s are your peak years. And then if you think about things in that way, like, where do you, you're right, where do you go from there? And it's kind of depressing to think about, okay, well, there's my peak. And now I've got however many more years left to live. How am I going to spend those years? Um, And yeah, I think we both have probably learned from our experiences working with older adults that that's a big lie, I think. That's a pretty big lie that your peak years are your 20s. There's so much left to like live and experience. And even not within um, the psychology or psychotherapy setting, just in that one-on-one and volunteering with older adults, like they like also genuinely like, what are you up to? What is your life right now? And like even the language I was using, they were like, well, what do you want to do after that? And it was areas Mm -hmm. I never considered. And it just really broadened my horizon of like, what am I living for? what am I wanting to do next like not looking so much to the next event in my life but like what's going to happen large theme or what can I do now to influence that health-wise personally goals and achieving that like snowboarding like that Uh (laughs) changed drastically how I even saw my day-to-day activities and my interests there like there's just it's just very insightful and eye-opening and then I even see that in the clinical work I do as well that like some of those problems and nuances they don't go away but how can we change even along our life cycle to work with those difficulties that come up there's just so much to learn yeah absolutely one thing that I really learned working with older adults is number one they they do really care about who they're talking to and they do ask a lot more questions than maybe some of my younger clients I've noticed that a lot they they Right. They they are very interested and they want to know and they sometimes maybe ask more questions than we're comfortable even responding to. But it's kind of cool to get that dynamic. And then the other piece, too, and I'm hearing you kind of touch on this as well, is um, the focus on values and like what's valuable to you in your life. What's the big picture? What do you want to get accomplished? What matters to you? Um, so I do think that working with older adults has changed my perspective on on life in general. Definitely. And even to pull more on that, how I work with clients that are in their 30s and 20s and what that looks like, I pulled in like values and where do those come from and what does it mean for you now and how is that fitting in with your treatment and psychotherapy goals? Like it just has even changed the way I practice within the behavioral medicine. 
Oh, I believe that. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. That's such a good point. Um, so do you, do you think you want to do more therapy focused or assessment focused or both? Like, have you thought about that? Yeah. So, so my first year for, um, for training, I did primarily assessment. It was with um, Dr. Glassman at his private practice. And I loved it. I loved everything about it. Even some of the neuropsych testing with kids, I was like, I can do that. Like, that's fine. I didn't have that hiccup again with like just kids and the complexity mm-hmm. there. Um, so this year, I really challenge myself to take on more psychotherapy, and I'm finding that the settings I enjoy the most are group settings as well mm-hmm. as with older adults. Um, so it's, I'm still challenging myself to kind of learn more if there is to offer, especially with an outpatient setting, because most of my work has been more inpatient. So kind of finding the differences there. Um, so I hate to say right now, like assessment all the way, because like I said, I'm still pushing myself to see in what other ways can psychotherapy be a benefit. Um, so for instance, at the VA with the general psych outpatient, I'm working with the postdoc fellow right now and how caregiver support is provided and how that's Mm -hmm. different from traditional psychotherapy, but it's still within that realm. Um, as well as non-pharmaceutical intervention, so more contingency plan basics for these individuals too, and what that looks like for like caregivers dealing with parents with Alzheimer's disease, like what would that look like? Um, so yeah. there's so many psychotherapy aspects that I haven't learned yet or had the opportunity to work with. Um, so again, more challenging myself to see what that looks like, but right now I would say my love definitely is an assessment. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, we need really good quality assessors. So that's awesome. And I agree. I like group work as well. I'm wondering if you've ever done any caregiver support groups or do you do more one-on-one caregiver support? Yeah. So um, at the VA, I've heard that they have had group opportunities for caregivers in the past because of COVID concerns. That's not as much of an attended group right now. Um, So more of that is more one-on-one. And like I said, that's something that I'm going to be slowly working my way into at the VA. So I haven't had the opportunity as much. Um, Hopefully in the future, there'll be more group opportunities for me to jump into. Um, But besides that group work, the most I've done with older adults was at All Saints Family Care. Last year was with pain management with older adults. Um, And I really enjoyed that. Yeah, they have their pain management groups. I think they're monthly groups. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So what does your practicum practicum sites look like um, now that COVID, well, now that COVID's been going on for a while? What yeah. has kind of changed or shifted for you? What does your year look like? Mm-hmm. So that was one thing I was very nervous with the switch with COVID already a year ago. That's crazy to think. Um that a lot of my sites for this past year were health-based. So I had the VA. I was also at All Saints. Um, Stopped that this past January. Um, Mm -hmm. But then I also was supposed to be in person at the Cedarburg Brain Rehab location. Mm -hmm. And so slowly everything was like closing down. And like, what what does this mean for these sites? And fortunately, I lucked out that I was on the team that I was able to continue with these locations. Um, So... For Cedarburg, it is telehealth, so I do therapy from my bedroom. That is the one thing that I really had to adapt and change with what that looks like. Um, 
But with that, I've kind of learned, like I said, I've challenged myself to learn the technology behind that, figure out how to fix my microphones and sound and <laughs> that has become more yeah. tech savvy as of late. Um, but that's just been very different, especially for individuals with traumatic brain injury and how to communicate psychotherapy and their needs and relate it to their other health goals while in rehab. Um, but luckily, I've been very fortunate to work with a social worker that does go in person. So we're able to work together after the sessions, kind of discuss how things are going for them, how to make other medical staff, like physical therapists and occupational therapists and speech therapists aware of what's going on with them. Um, again, to kind of get that integrated approach to their care. That's awesome. Um, so fortunately, we've been able to work around that, but it is very difficult because they do not have student providers on site right now. Um, but thankful for the technology to be able to pursue that. Um, and then my next site, the VA, is a little bit different yet. So I do go in person to hold my outpatient psychotherapy sessions, but it's mm -hmm. all done over the phone or video. So mm -hmm. I'm in the hospital setting, um, but I'm making all my calls, doing all my documentation and everything there. Um, the second day that I have at the VA that was a little bit different, though, it's more of consult work with the Gero Psychiatry Clinic. So these are individual older adults that are seeing psychiatrists, some for medication management and general health concerns that way, um, within a mental health realm, though. And so as a Gero psychologist trainee, I go in and see how might behavioral approaches be suited for that situation. Would psychotherapy be a benefit? What about group options? Um, and kind of make the veteran aware of that approach too. Um, mm -hmm. That it just doesn't only need to be a medication-based approach. Yeah. Primarily the idea there. Um, however, with COVID, when it, the rates were a little bit lower, I was able to see them in person. We had to wear face masks, face shields, and it was even recommended to wear scrubs. Um, and now that the cases have escalated quite a bit, especially in Milwaukee County, um, we hold everything virtual. So mm -hmm. most of the times it's me contacting the veteran via phone afterwards kind of to see if they had any questions following with their psychiatrist, as well as what recommendations we have as well. So it's altered quite a bit, um, gotcha. but I have been very thankful for the in-person exposure I have had um, because it's taught me a lot about how even COVID has influenced our older adults mm -hmm. and the type of care they mm -hmm. are seeking. So it's been very eye-opening. Um, other than that, my practical experience has, with the TA position has been primarily over video as well. Um, so leading the weekly labs there, kind of teaching assessment, especially cognitive assessment online was yeah. a bit tricky. Um, I can't imagine. Yeah, but so far the first years this year, they are killing it. They are doing so well. They're picking up everything up like sponges. I'm so impressed. They made my job much easier because of how much dedication they have to it. Um, so it definitely has been a learning curve, but it's also a shout out here to our staff and all collegiate staff everywhere working remotely yeah. and teaching and educating. They are doing so well at integrating these aspects, especially like within our work, like mm -hmm. directly with practicum, um, as well as just like my, like personally, my academic goals like have still been reached. Um, but yeah, it's just been crazy and again my mind isn't back to a year we've almost been doing this for a year so yeah it's pretty crazy yeah mm -hmm. I uh am hopeful that we can see 
the light at the end of the tunnel pretty soon. I know vaccines are being rolled out. I somehow managed to get myself a first dose of the vaccine. So don't know how that happened, but I'm feeling hopeful, you know, now that vaccines are coming out and people are really um, getting those. That's, um, yeah, I'm feeling a little more hopeful. I think you bring up a great point too. I also did qualify to get the vaccine because of the VA and then the rehab locations too. Um, so I think we fit within that like 1B tier of the vaccine yep. rollout. Um, so that's just even a good thing to highlight for our listeners that if you do work within these medical settings, like you do qualify and like see yes. what that looks like for the type of care and even changes in your practicum training that you can have for yourself. Mm-hmm. So do the does the VA provide that vaccine for you? So the VA is a little bit different because of it being more of a federal reserve. Yeah. So they moved from their employees straight to the veterans, and especially the older mm. adult veterans. So I qualified for it from the West Dallas Health Department through Got it. that way. So I just had to show my employment with the VA. Um, so I think it's more of just the funding. And like this is my guess, okay. the funding and where the vaccines are coming from and the rollout plans, federal versus state and what that mm-hmm. looks like. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, but that's a good point that if you work in these certain environments, you do qualify for that. I qualified through my employer. So same thing. It wasn't necessarily through practicum, but I have heard, um, especially with, you know, interviewing for internships next year, that if you don't get vaccinated by the time you go on internship, if you're in the healthcare setting, some of those sites will take care of that for you, which is pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So, well, I have one more question for you, Carrie, um, and I ask all of my guests this. I'm wondering what you do for self-care, and let me preface that question before um, you answer by saying that, you know, I've come to realize just how important self-care is, especially for graduate students and for graduate student mental health, and so I wonder if there are specific things that you do or that you've found helpful in terms of taking care of yourself, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm-hmm. So I did see the self, or I've heard the self-care question before on past podcasts. Yeah. And immediately with you even asking this now, um, my mind just goes back to Dr. Dvorak um, at our institution because we were talking about this at length and she reminded me that self-care isn't always like a bubble bath or like having that routine like facial and spa days. Like she's like, it's taking care of yourself. She's like, catching up on laundry, like listening to podcasts while doing that. Like it's more of the idea of how you can integrate your needs and taking care of yourself, even on these day-to-day tasks. I almost said IEDLs and ADLs. And I was like, Um, but also then balancing that with the workload as a graduate student and with your hobbies. And I think that's really been a learning curve. That's something that I even addressed of like, how do I balance those areas and plan it in such a way to be conducive to my health as well as to ensure that I'm taking care of myself? Yeah. Um, so I know this has become more of a long-winded winded answer, but a big part of it has been kind of just like managing my lifestyle and figuring out like how I want to balance my needs, taking care of for myself, meal planning, laundry days. Yeah. So with that, like one thing that I, this is my shout out, one thing I really love is bullet journaling where you can go through and do mm-hmm. like personalized like planners, schedules, make it real artsy, coloring, everything that way. So um, I try to plan out like Saturdays and Sundays to be these days where I address everything I need to take care of within my home, catch up on schoolwork, or at least even get notes written down 
what I have to do. And then I jump into the coloring, listening to my podcast, catching up on music, um, and really integrating those areas. And for me, that's really opened my eyes to how much I need to even take care of myself in order to yeah. take care of others in the field. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of my shout out to self-care too, that it's not, it's Dr. DeVore's term, it's not always bubble bath. Yes, such a good point. Such a good point. I'm so glad to hear you say that. And I should say for our listeners, too, if you don't know who Dr. Dvorak is, she is incredible. She's our training director at WSVP. And she does always check in with how you're doing. Like she will even make comments to me like, Laura, you look really tired. Like, are you okay? You know, so she'll call people out on um, their self care. But you make such a good point, Carrie, that it's not just about eating chocolate, watching Netflix, taking bubble baths. It's literally about taking care of your basic needs sometimes. And I think I, I've recognized that too during COVID and spending so much time at home, like taking care of our environment, making sure you have like a nice clean environment to be in, a nice office to be in, like that is that goes so far when it comes mm-hmm. to self-care, I think. Yeah, hands down. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, Carrie, anything else that you want to share with our listeners before we end today? Um, no, not, I mean, nothing really comes to mind. I just really want to thank you for the opportunity and for reaching out to let me share my experiences. It's always nice hearing from you, especially with another Gerald lover. Yes. <laughs> yes. We gotta, we gotta stick together for sure. <laughs> Carrie, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate everything you've shared with us and I've had a lot of fun talking to you today. So thank you. Yes, of course. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of the WSPB podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. We'll be back with more episodes soon.